0: Well, uh, I'm gonna pass around a, a sheet uh, if you're willing and able to take the uh, Anderson's something to eat just sign on there uh, she's having surgery and she doesn't want to you know cause a stink or even but anyway uh, I think I may just like delegate or talk to you later when you're able to bring something <clears throat> So let me just go ahead and pass this around. So yeah. If we can just maybe something every other day or something and But uh, let me let me give this last announcement. Uh, Pastor Brian encouraged the uh, pastors, you can see something on your overhead there. Guess I better get hooked up here. I think I'm Yeah, I'm recording. So well it's good good to be back in the saddle and thank you guys for praying for me and uh, to my knowledge i didn't give covid to anybody else and i did have a positive covid test a week ago i was like on day four of not feeling real good and uh so i went had got checked out and they said I was positive for COVID. Uh, yeah, I, I get hay fever in the fall, so that's that's what I was thinking. Sometimes it just kind of gets me run down. But anyway, I'm trying to think the best way to enlarge this. If I can, maybe just with my fingers.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, if I can.
1: You might have to download it, but
0: well anyway um,
1: if, if you click in it we'll, I be
2: have you good. opened the email
1: oh there you go email.
0: that's pretty good, yeah, pretty good. <laughs> so uh, <clears throat> this is our missionary Pradeep in India and he is over on the opposite side of Mumbai or used to call it Bombay I think so he's on the very east side of India. Wow, that's a pot. In a, huh? That's a big pot. Yeah, that's why I was thinking this. I don't know if I can make it any bigger, but anyway, so uh, he just does some outreaches. I think this, this one may be to widows. He he actually goes, uh, he he helps take care of the widows, as uh, James says, that true religion is uh, and to care for the the fatherless and the widows, and so he takes that to heart, and a lot of times he just gives them a blanket, or in this time it looks like he's maybe presenting them with some cooking stuff. And so he just gives some very practical things, and people are very open to that, and then he gives them the gospel. And uh, I believe these are orphans. I don't. He has an actual orphanage at his uh, church there and um, I don't think I'll really mention the name of his town but so I don't know if these are the orphans at his orphanage or if these are at another town but uh, anyway Pradeep is a sweet man I've been there twice I've been to India twice uh, once to teach at their Bible Institute and, uh, and I think these are some of his young men that he's training in his Bible Institute. And so, uh, Pastor Brian wanted me to, uh, all the pastors to share this with their groups this morning. And uh, some of these men literally have hazarded their lives for the gospel. And... Uh, I really think that this picture here of this lady getting baptized is on top of his church. In his, He has a three-story church and the church meets on the top level. So I think he lives on the bottom level. There's classrooms and kind of a... A guest area in the middle section, and the, the top floor is the church, just an open room. And then this is on top of the building. I think he has the baptismal. So this that's pretty cool, isn't it, to baptize in the open air on top of a three-story building, uh, right? I I think that city there is around 250,000 so it's it's a pretty good size uh so anyway that's Pradeep and some of the people he ministered. and so every month or two he'll send an update and uh anyway I just wanted to share that with you is there any questions about that uh you know see he, he's got pray for uh, our 20 pastors and churches over uh Odisha's there, and and then number eight there. He says he has ten residential Bible students. So I think the the Bible students actually come and live at the church. I think it's like they're there a month for studies, and then they go home for a month and take care of their families, and then they come back and study for a month. I think is kind of the way it goes. Yeah.
1: As a class, a couple of years ago, we sent to work with.
0: Yes, yeah. Jim was gracious. We we gathered up candies and toys and Thanks a lot of people donated. And we uh, we sent a couple of care packages to the orphans. So
2: are we going to do that again?
0: We could, we could. For Christmas. That'd be
2: awesome. Yeah, I was going to say so that way we could all start together.
0: Maybe around Christmas we could.
2: And then I know it, it costs money to send it. You know, maybe get a box going. that... To not cover those expenses. How long does it take to get there?
1: Yeah, we need to send it by like before Thanksgiving.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, I knew, you know it takes time. Mm. Some of these orphans, they've like found them in the woods like eating dead animals. I mean, just, it's really, it's... It's very sad. Yeah, and it kind of, I mean, it's... that That's where they find them. I mean, they they don't have really a welfare system or you know, DFS or whatever we have to help take care of uh, maybe unwanted or maybe the parents are dead or maybe parents get rid of them. I don't know how they become orphans, but anyway, let's be turning our Bibles to uh, Jeremiah 23. Um, Maybe there'll be some other things I think of along the way here, but uh, yeah, it's good to have our eyes on the field and other parts of the world. Did I take your hand out? I stole my hand out. I may have stolen your hand out. I <laughs> just
2: <laughs>
0: Our sister Sarah couldn't be here this morning uh, far, and so she was going to try to join online. So I don't know. Lewis. Sarah Lewis. Is that better to say?
2: Well, that's her name. I mean. Okay. Now, yeah. Okay. Yeah.
0: I get confused. That Linda,
2: that's cool. <laughs>
0: It's timers. <laughs> <laughs> Belin- Belinda. We have
2: Belinda for
0: no, a while. No, we haven't seen Belinda. Come see us again, Belinda. We miss you.
2: Jeremiah
0: what? We're in at the post office. Jeremiah 23.
2: I gave her the thing for Friday night, and she was
0: going to try to come, but she had to pick up kids or something Yeah, she's pretty involved with her son and his wife and... So, well, I'm kind of excited to be back at Jeremiah. I think last week was uh, the main service, combined Bible hour, and then the week before, yeah. but, but Pat taught. Was I gone then, or maybe I was here? But anyway, so it's yeah, been it's been about three weeks oh, since yeah, I've been here to teach. Really so I wanted to get back. So hopefully. This is enjoyable to you. We, uh, I know, Pam and Emmett gave me a little bit of feedback. We, at the end of chapter 22, there is a prophecy that none of Coniah's descendants would sit on the throne, and it almost looked like a contradiction because Jesus is in his descendants. And we also saw that David was promised that he would always have a king on the throne. And uh, But then we've seen that uh, Jesus had the legal right to the throne through Solomon. So there was David had several sons, but two in particular, Solomon and the kingly line. But he also had one named Nathan. And it turns out his descendants were in uh, Mary, the Virgin Mary, Jesus's mother, was in the lineage of David through Nathan, and so he was uh, legally heir to the throne through Solomon. Uh, but we know that Joseph wasn't Jesus's biological father. Uh, God, the Father, the Holy Spirit. Uh, sired uh, Jesus in Mary's womb and so anyway it's just a miraculous thing how God worked out the details that uh, Coniah didn't have children on the throne and yet Jesus was legal heir legal right to the throne and so uh, maybe we can talk about that more later but so that was chapter 22 and we, we get into chapter 23 here and if somebody would read the first four verses, uh, we'll, we'll start off. Let me you to take to unto the pastors that destroy and establish the
1: feet of my pastor, and save the Lord. Therefore, that saith the Lord, that I give you, the pastors that feed my people have scattered my flock and driven them away and have not visited them behold i will visit upon you evil the evil of your doom and i will gather my remnants of my flock out of the country whither i I have driven them and i will bring them to them into this place and they shall be fruitful in, in and i will set up shepherds over them and
0: they shall hear no more. Thanks, Tom. This, uh, I think the word pastors is only in our New Testament one time and it's in the Old Testament a few times. <clears throat> now, I wanted, I wanted to point out in, in verse 4 that Tom read, uh, the Lord is saying, I will set up shepherds That word shepherds is the same Hebrew word as pastors. And so we we often call uh, pastors, uh, sometimes they're called an under-shepherd because Jesus is called uh, the great shepherd or the shepherd of our souls. And so sometimes pastors are called under-shepherds. But there's a very uh, stern warning there in in verse 1, this woe be unto the pastors. And he condemns them for four things here, and I put that on your handout, and I gave you a blank there, and the word is food. Uh, They destroy the sheep by giving them bad food, and the reason I said that is because in verse two, it says, "Therefore, thus saith the Lord God of Israel: Because the pastors that fed my people, they, so that that is one of the jobs that pastors are to feed the sheep. Uh, but they had, these these pastors were condemned because they destroyed the sheep, they uh, scattered the sheep of his of his pasture." and uh, they drove the sheep away, it says in verse 2, they've scattered the flock, driven them away, and not visited them. And uh, <clears throat> just for me reading that and knowing that Pam was going into the, under the knife to get her knee replaced, it just reminded me that I need to visit people. And that is part of the job of pastors. And that's part of their condemnation is... uh, These pastors were not visiting the sheep. They actually drove them away and scattered them and uh, destroyed them. And because of that, uh, God says that... uh, I think He says He's going to visit them (laughs) because they didn't visit His sheep. But anyway... It says there in verse 3 that he's going to gather this remnant of his flock. And and I want to talk about that in my next point at the end of verse 8. But I, I gave you a whole bunch of verses about the prophecy of the regathering of Israel and Israel's restoration. In fact, let, let's all uh, go to the New Testament there in Romans 11. Let's hold our place here and let's look at the Romans eleven place. Let's see. Because really Romans nine, ten and eleven talk about uh that God's not through with Israel. And here here in verse Twenty five through twenty nine of Romans, the Bible says, For I would not, brethren, that ye should be ignorant of this mystery, lest ye should be wise in your own conceits, the blindness in part is happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles be come in. And that's kind of a key phrase, is fullness of the Gentiles. And then it says, And so all Israel shall be saved, as it is written, there shall come one out of Zion, the deliverer, and shall turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant unto them, when I shall take them take away their sins, as concerning the gospel they are enemies for your sakes, but as touching the election, they are beloved for the Father's sake, And uh, this is kind of echoed in uh, 1 Corinthians 4. It says that that right now there's a veil on Israel's heart and they can't really see uh, the Messiah. And that's what it's saying, that there's a blindness that's happened to them. And... uh, but when the the fullness of the Gentiles become in, that blindness is lifted, and they they are God's uh, chosen people, and He will restore them. Is it, uh, what does it mean that that so all Israel shall be saved? Yeah. Not like saved like work? Yeah. So uh, pe- people have asked that question before. It, why does it say all Israel shall be saved? And uh, my understanding of it is that that, that is uh, talking about the remnant at the end of the tribulation there, but it's kind of after, like a lot of the plagues of the Bible have happened, where a lot of people have died, but uh, the, all the Israel that is left there at the end, they they will be saved.
1: Yeah, there are at Armageddon. It's like a Western... Because the Antichrist says the last bit of Israel circled there at Armageddon. He's getting ready to come down, wipe them out. And we we come back with Jesus and He saves them.
0: Yeah. But but like right now, people that die without Christ are not saved. They're they're lost. But so it's kind of you gotta. Kind of consider the context there, but mm-hmm. that doesn't mean that if you have Jewish blood in your veins, you're automatically saved. That doesn't mean that, but so that's a good question, honey. I actually had thought about. I never noticed
2: it before, so just now.
0: Yeah, I'd actually thought about bringing that up, but glad you did. But so uh, and and again, I want to I want to draw something on the board here in just a minute, but let's go back to Jeremiah before I get there because it says that uh, God is going to set up his shepherds Tom read in verse 4 that he will set up shepherds over them which shall feed them and they shall fear no more nor be dismayed neither shall they be lacking saith the Lord and I gave you uh, some things yet we know that Jesus is going to be king and he'll set on his throne and so he is the shepherd so God is going to set up these shepherds over his people uh, King. David is probably going to be a prince under the Lord and there's some references of David still uh, coming back to earth and then the, the 12 apostles they are going to rule and reign uh, over the 12 tribes of Israel in the millennium and so th- these are shepherds that the Lord will set up and then, and there's even some resurrected saints, that that's us it says that the uh, that will reign with Him, even if we, uh, even if we uh, deny Him, He won't deny us. So, anyway, those are some shepherds that still yet coming that'll be set up. And I'm trying to think here. Uh, let's go to Matthew 23. I want you to see. This is kind of a, a personal thing with me. Uh, Those of you that know my testimony here in Matthew 23, I want all of us to see this. And it's kind of interesting to think because we know that there are uh, at least different inheritance in in heaven. But there there is even, I believe, different degrees of punishment in hell. And, and here's a place that you could show that from in Matthew 23. And 13 through 15 says, But woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye shut up the kingdom of heaven against men, For ye neither go in yourselves, neither suffer ye them that are entering in to go, or entering to go in. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for ye devour widows' houses, and for a pretense make long prayer. And it makes this statement, therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. And then he says, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye can pass land, or sea and land, to make one proselyte. And when he is made, ye make him twofold more the child of hell than yourselves. And so, I I think the reason that God holds uh, pastors to a higher standard... Is because they're they're influencing others. They, uh, it's one thing for you to believe wrong, and maybe maybe you're an atheist. Uh, I mean, I know nobody here is an atheist, but it's one thing for you to. Maybe not believe right, but if if you make if you make other people you persuade them to believe what you believe and it's wrong, then it says there's a greater damnation to that person. Does everybody see what that's saying? So the
1: people that are uh, teaching, teaching false doctrine, mm-hmm.
0: right. Yeah,
1: you know, get it worse.
0: Yeah, yeah I believe so and and, and that's why I saying this is kind of personal to me because I, I grew up in a church that taught false and I believed that for 31 years of my life and I don't know if I ever really persuaded other people to believe wrong but uh, I, I really when I got saved I felt like I, such a hypocrite like man I have believed wrong and taught wrong all this time and and uh, so and and I, I believe that's why Paul could he says he was chief of sinners. I mean he was killing Christians. He was fully persuaded that Judaism was right, and and he was. Uh, teaching that and propagating that and so anyway you know when we think of the worst sinner we think of murder or you know uh, pedophile we we think of some dark things like that but when the Lord talks about he talks about hypocrisy and leading people to believe wrong and so anyway it's kind of different than we think now back in the law wouldn't say something like the sin is uh, no sin is greater than any other sin I think I believe that. I just think the consequences are different. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, sin is sin, but if, if I steal a quarter from you, it's different consequences than robbing a bank. Maybe. I, I think that. I don't know. What do you think, Jim, or anybody?
1: Yeah, that's good. It's a that's a good question. I know we've, we've struggled with that because we always teach sin is sin, and you know. The consequence is the same, but this indicates there's different levels. Yeah. No, uh, you know, Dante's.
2: someone knowingly giving false information or going against God knowingly, where.
0: Yeah. Yeah, there there may be a little difference there, too, if you. No
1: one. In the Catholic
2: Church, they have mortal and venial sins.
1: Yeah, exactly. That's what Dante. (laughs) When you go to
2: confession, you find out what the priest thinks because. If he thinks it's not a big deal, you don't get a bunch of prayers to say. But if he thinks it's a big deal, then you say a rosary yeah. or something. And the uh. price
1: of the indulgences uh. are different.
0: Yeah.
2: Well, we don't know the answer to this, but what we do know is that God says He uh, is going to visit
0: them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
2: because of the evil they've
0: Yeah. Yeah, it sounds like these guys in Jeremiah's day. I mean, they they knowingly were going against God's word, and just the the prophets through the ages, as well as Jeremiah. And so, yeah, this is heavy stuff here. But when we get to verse five of Jeremiah twenty-three, and, and that, that's good discussion, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will raise unto David a righteous branch, and a king shall reign and prosper, and shall execute judgment and justice in the earth. Uh, so, this righteous branch, and it's through this line of David. Um, there's really a neat prophecy here in the Old Testament not just this place but I gave you a few others but so here in here in Jeremiah this, this branch it's going to represent the book of Matthew so Matthew goes in your blank there I think there's more to this then then i then I can see, but uh in Matthew Jesus is portrayed as the son of David and and as the king of the Jews, and so um People who study prophecy and these things, they see in the Old Testament at least four mentions of this word "branch." And when you when you see a "branch" capitalized, it kind of personifies uh, and, and it's representing a person. So. The Lord is going to raise up unto David a righteous branch and a king. And so th- this, this represents uh, the book of Matthew. And if we, we don't necessarily need to look all these up, but Zechariah talks about this branch being a servant. And the servant, uh, that's representative of the book of Mark. Uh, There's several reasons for that. The book of Mark does not have the genealogy of Christ and just as a servant does not uh, really trace his genealogy. He's a servant. And then uh, in Zechariah, another place, it talks about behold the man whose name is the branch. And uh, the book of Luke represents... Uh, Jesus as the son of man he he is the uh, human through through the Virgin Mary and and so that that prophecy is is about uh, can symbolize the book of Luke and then uh, in Isaiah it it calls him the branch of the Lord and we say that that represents the book of John because uh, Jesus is uh, represented as the Son of God in the book of John. So so these are real rich. These are what goes in your blank. And it's it's just kind of interesting how the Old Testament mentions this branch mm-hmm. in these four ways. And it really ties in well with the New Testament writers of the Gospels. So... Anyway, were you going to say anything else, Jim? Or?
1: Well, he's also called for the root of Jesse. The root
0: yeah. Of, yeah. Yeah. It kind of goes under that tree branch. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, Jim is mentioning that, I think it's Isaiah 11, where he's called the root of the tribe of Judah or something like that. Yeah. Or root of Jesse, maybe he said. <clears throat>
2: When I uh, read Joshua twenty-three, uh, Jeremiah twenty-three last night, I found some references, and one was First uh, Peter one ten to twelve. And so, what we're seeing here, uh, what we're reading five and six, yeah, uh, is the, I put the hope of what's going to come or what will come two thousand years after ah, Jesus first coming. That's good. So. 1 Peter 1, 10-12 talks about that. Um, what's to come?
0: 1 uh, Peter 1, 10-12? Yes. You can read it if you want.
2: Of which salvation the prophets have inquired and searched mm. diligently, who prophesied of the grace that should come unto you, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which was in them did signify When it testified beforehand the suffering of Christ and the glory that should follow.
0: That's good, Pam.
2: Whom it was revealed that not unto themselves but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things angels desire to look at.
0: Yep. Very good. Well, we'll go back here to Jeremiah now. And it's in verse uh, maybe somebody read seven and eight for us.
1: Therefore, behold, the days of come, saith the Lord, that they shall say no more no more saying, The Lord liveth which brought up the children of Israel are of the land of Egypt. For the Lord liveth which brought up, and which led the sea of the house of Israel out of the north country from all the countries whether I had given them, and they shall dwell in their own land.
0: Yeah. So uh, I've got this little uh, phrase that means promised land, and uh, we we know Abraham was there. He was given these promises, the promised land, and. Uh, But his descendants went down into Egypt, and I think I put, is it E-B, Egyptian bondage? That was my, uh, so his descendants went down into Egypt, and and so what Matt's reading is uh, that uh, God's saying, I'm no longer going to be the God that brought people out of Egyptian bondage, so he... They went there, but then they came back, and now, and now what we're reading, um, they're getting ready to go into Babylonian bondage, and he, he's saying that I'm going to be called the God that brings them back out of that and brings them into the into. Uh, uh, brings them back to the promised land from the Egypt, from the Babylonians. But uh, look at that Luke verse, and this is just kind of what was. I mean, we we could put dates on on all this. I mean, they were in in Egyptian bondage for 400 years. They were in Babylonian bondage for uh, 70 years. And uh, but let's, let's look at that. Uh, Luke, this is a prophecy from Luke twenty-one, twenty-four. Can somebody else read that for me?
2: And they shall fall by the edge of the sword, and shall be led away captive into the, into all nations. And Jerusalem shall be put down of the Gentiles until the time of the Gentiles.
0: Yeah, so that times of the Gentiles. So that that's your little phrase there. Right now, we're still in the times of the Gentiles. <coughs> and uh, guess how many Jews there are in the world
1: today? Yeah, thirty thousand. Twenty million.
0: A lot more than that, uh, about 25 million. Yeah, so Jim, 20. pretty close. And guess how many live in Israel?
1: Oh, fewer than
0: 10 million. That's pretty close. I, I, I think it's nine, but uh, yeah. maybe seven. So, uh, so right now. Right now, the, these Jews are—they're not in the Promised Land. They're—they're they're all over the world right now, right? I, I think there's a lot of them in, in New York uh, awesome. City, even.
1: Yeah, Austin had a whole section. Of, Did they I actually talked to some like Hasidic Jews?
0: Really? It was really cool. Wow. Well, uh, so so right now, so this times of the Gentiles, and you know, I. That sounds like a, a ambiguous term, but it, it it really started with what we're. It really started here with uh, around 587 BC. Mm-hmm. That that's really when this started, and we're all the way up to uh, 2021 right now. This is the times of the Gentiles, and, and what that means is. The Jews have not been their own sovereign really till 1948.
1: Yeah. But they have no temple. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar came in and killed Zedekiah. And they, like you said, they've been ruled by Gentiles since. They have no temple. They lost their identity. They were dispersed. So they're still.
0: They don't have that king yet, eh? They have a king, don't have a temple. They don't have a temple. So. Uh, so that, that's what we're ta- that's what's kind of exciting about this when the fullness of the this times of the gentiles become in uh, you know the jews will be you know regathered that's what this regathering that's what this and so th- this is really uh very prophetical some of what we're reading here and i don't know if i've made good sense of it but this the times of the Gentiles just mean that Israel is being ruled by Gentile kings. Mm-hmm. So,
2: will the fullness uh, of the Gentiles be like the moment of the rapture?
0: Yeah. So probably the rapture will. <clears throat> yeah, because uh, he's he's when they lost their temple and their
1: king, he's kind of put Israel on the back burner. Okay, I'm going to repopulate my kingdom with Gentiles. So in the times of the Gentiles, yeah, and then. At the rapture, he you know, Romans 11, he'll turn back to the Jews. Or will it be at the end of the tribulation? At the end of the tribulation. Well, that's that's when they'll be saved as a nation. They go through their national discipline, their
0: the purging, yeah,
1: and then the salvation. Okay yeah yep. it's really cool it's very extremely deep stuff
0: it, it is kind of deep and technical but exciting and uh, yeah. you know you, you read through and you see that little phrase times of the Gentiles but when you realize what he's talking about it and so what Marcy read is the Jews, Jerusalem is going to be trodden down by the Gentiles until the fullness of Till the times that the Gentiles be come in, uh, till it, till the end of it. So, anyway, very cool stuff. It is cool. Because Jerusalem is probably the most contested piece of
1: ground on the planet. Yeah. For sure. It, it has been in more wars and, and you know, the, the captivities than anything.
0: Yeah. yeah It's. The crusades. It's maybe not always on the front page of the news, but it's only two or three stories back every day. Yeah.
2: <laughs> for the size of it, yeah. Really
1: yeah, for the size of
0: it. Yeah, it's less than 1% of the earth's land mass. Yeah,
2: it seems like it would be insignificant in our world,
0: but yeah. it's but, not. Well, this, this next section, 9 through 32, we don't need to spend a lot of time on it. <clears throat> but it is the section of dealing with false prophets now uh, let me just ask you guys I know brother Matt just mentioned false prophets meaning people that teach wrong what else could be a false prophet I've really been thinking about this this week what else can you think of
2: if they're proclaiming to have a word from God, that's
0: not in the Bible. So, for what's an example of that, Pam? What um, can uh, like healers? Okay. Okay. Yeah, that's true. What I are you thinking of? You, uh, that
1: if you don't speak in tongues, you're not
0: actually They told you that. That's
1: a good one. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I think I've heard somebody tell me something like that. That's a good one.
1: Self believers?
0: Self believers?
1: Uh, they, they believe in themselves. They don't yeah. believe in God. They believe in themselves. Nurse uh, huh. come in to see my, dad, uh, do a visit with uh, my uncle at the house, the home health care or whatever. You know, I asked her if she was, uh, religious, if she believed. She said she believed in herself. She didn't believe in huh. so that one, man. Wow. You know, people like that. Wow. Yeah. I I haven't that. either. So I believe
2: in myself. Narcissistic. Narcissism. Of, well, it's, it's been around this. We just... Yeah. never put the nicer word,
0: I guess. believe in myself. Huh. sounds like nice
1: to that I'm a narcissist,
0: I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and in the sense of false prophet, but, uh, even it's real closely related like a false teacher think even about schools that maybe teach evolution or that's, there's some, a lot of false so I've been trying, to, even though I've been in the house for like a week straight I've, I've walked on the treadmill a few days and so I've watched like four episodes of this show called Aliens <laughs> and uh it's interesting but i mean it it talks a lot about you know rituals from the indians and it goes all over the world and the a- alien visitors and extraterrestrial and, and uh you know some some of these doctor types and they got this you know bookcase behind them and these smart people and they say some of the most, you know, unbelievable things, and they just make it sound very matter-of-factly-like. And, and I don't even know a good example, but you all have seen shows like this. Yeah. Ancient Aliens. Yeah, Ancient Aliens. That's that's the one that I've been watching lately. And, well, and, sounds and one guy... To people, you know, like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they just take it for granted that there's all these galaxies, and there's got to be life out there, and we're we're the we're the less intelligent, and and uh, our ancestors are primitive, and I don't know. They just you got to be kind of careful with all that but one guy came out and said you know the ancient scriptures say this but he actually says you know the bible's wrong there this is what happened and and i just i really perk up when i hear those kind of things cuz they're all casting doubt on the bible but That's all it takes. this one this yeah. one came right out and so anyway i, I look at those like very false teachers too. I mean, we we know there's uh, demonic things and there's uh, definitely uh, the spiritual aspect of, of all of our lives. So I don't I don't. So anyway, I'm I'm sure there's element of, of truth being said, but anyway, it was just. Uh, I think there's a lot more of our society believes wrong, and 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 I, I look at those as false teachers. Uh, mainly because the Bible is not their standard, not not because everything they say is false, but uh, they make false conclusions because they don't believe the Bible and uh, history class again. history class anymore. what history is, yeah, even just history. Yeah, they've rewritten it. They've rewritten
2: what happened. They've rewritten that, so I'm sure that.
0: So it's a very uh, it's a very wild time, and if if we're not holding. Forth the word of light, and we're getting uh, truth. Uh, we we can be easily persuaded wrong. Um, let me let me give you your bullet point there on this teaching. This is what. Uh, I bought a uh, a study Bible from uh, it's a Ruckman study Bible and and in his in his uh, his introductory to the book of Jeremiah he says Jer- chap- chapter chapter twenty three of Jeremiah is the thing that produces Laodicea and and, and what do I what do I, what do we mean by that What does that word mean?
2: Rights
0: of the people. It means, yeah, that's what it means. It's rights of the people. And Angie's saying it's really the church of the lukewarm. And what does that mean, to be lukewarm?
2: means,
0: not God, means God wants to spit it out of his mouth. God wants to spit out of the mouth, and it's, you're not hot or cold. You're just lukewarm.
2: Most people are, yeah. It just seems like just indifferent. To...
0: And and that that's the phrase that kind of gets me is because I do see a lot of people indifferent toward the gospel or toward the Lord. And uh, but but the reason that people the reason that Ruckman says that Jeremiah 23 is the thing that produces lukewarmness. It's because of their lack of following the word of God. That there, there, there's false teaching. There's false beliefs. They're saying, you know, this person has a dream, and they're they're not interpreting a dream by the word of God. They're uh, they've got these false burdens, uh, and so anyway, uh, he describes. In fact, look down at verse 28. Uh, uh, Pam Jackson, would you read 28 through 32 for us?
2: The prophet that hath a dream, let him tell a dream. And he that hath my word, let him speak my word faithfully. What is the uh, chaff to the weak, saith the Lord, is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces?
0: Go all the way to 32.
2: Oh, therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that steal my words, every one from his neighbor. Behold, I am against the prophets, saith the Lord, that use their tongues and say, He saith, Behold, I am against them that prophesy false dreams, saith the Lord, and who tell them, and cause my people to err by their lies and by their likeness, yet I sent them not, nor commanded them, therefore they shall not profit this people at all, saith the
0: Lord. Yeah, so uh, I, I wrote on your out there just the things that the Word of God is like. And, and Pam read that in verse 29, God is saying, "...is is not my word like as a fire?" And, uh, you know, a fire has a purifying effect, right? And it purifies our thoughts. And And even now as we're reading, we're reading God's Word and and hopefully it, it puts some kind of fervency in us to uh, affect our lives and to purify our thoughts and our actions and it says it's like this hammer and it, it's able to break the rocks in pieces and, you know, God's Word, you know, can be very forceful and it, it can break up, you know, stony hearts and it can, you know, penetrate things and I'm even thinking of like iron, you know, and how, you know, like a blacksmith is heating it and hammering it and and uh, if you ever see the, the guy down in Branson that... You know, he can make you know a knife out of a cable that was kind of floppy. He'll he'll tell, and what he's doing is he's tempering that that he's he's adding a, you know the right amount of heat and he's and he's making the grains go the same way in the iron. And uh, you know, uh, the ninth of the fruit of the spirit is temperance and the thing of that about temperance uh i think the definition of temperance is like habitual moderation is it's like you're, you're, you make a habit of being moderate, uh, and you, so we're not given to excess and things like that, but uh, temperance makes us strong, and so this, I just picture this fire uh, tempering us and the hammer forming us, and his word is like that, and there's other, uh, it's like a sword in the Bible, it's like a seed, it's like a lamp. It's like apples, it's like milk, it's like meat, it's like bread, it's like honey, it's like goads and nails. And it's even like a glass or a mirror in James, and it's like water. So, I think there's like some 15 things there that the word of God is likened to for different reasons, but here in Jeremiah, it's like this fire and a hammer. And uh it's 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 going to work and doing it's having an effect and he says that uh, these false prophets uh, Pam read that God is against them because they steal his words and they use their tongues to say he saith but God didn't really say something and he's against them that uh, prophesy these false dreams and tells them to others, and they cause others to err by their lies. And God is saying, I did not send them, and I did not command them to talk. And uh, they are not for—they're not profitable. They're not for my people. So, anyway, it's a lot of wild things here about God's word and how important it is. And uh, if if you guys remember reading in Revelation about Laodicea, the church right before that uh, is called Philadelphia. And Philadelphia, it says that they did keep his word. And therefore God did not bring them into that hour of temptation. And because they kept his word, he gave them an, an open door that no man could shut, and uh, it was called the church of the open door and yet by the time you get to Laodicea uh, they were neither hot or cold and they thought they were rich and increased with goods and had need of nothing and yet he found them to be poor, blind, uh, miserable and wretched and maybe something else there but uh, anyway any thoughts about that? I'm kind of Ramlin.
2: Paul cautions uh, uh, Timothy in uh, 2 Timothy 4 4 about these prophets. And he says, They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. The truth shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure affliction, do the work of the evangelist, make full proof of your ministry.
0: That's good. Yeah. 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 So yeah, there's uh, Peter talks about false prophets, and the Lord talks about false prophets, and and now you're saying Paul and Timothy, and uh, and then uh, of course Jeremiah here. And so uh, in verse thirty three, it talks about this last section. The word burden comes up several times. What do you think of when you think of burden?
2: Something that's laid upon you that you really don't want. You know, like somebody tells you, hey, I need you to go out here and paint this house, and you're like, I
0: really don't want to paint this house. That huh, huh. it's more of a That is, that is an like example. A desire. Okay.
2: A task you don't ask for.
0: Maybe, yeah. What, what if, you know, what if while we, while we were talking about Pradeep there, somebody's like, man, I really got a burden for those orphans. So a burden can be a good thing, but it it is something laid on you or something heavy or weighty. And so so we kind of get the concept there. In verse 33, it says, "...and when this people or the prophet or the priest shall ask thee, saying, What is the burden of the Lord? Thou shalt say unto them, What burden?" I will even forsake you, saith the Lord. And it uh, goes on and keep talking about this burden. And as for the prophet and the priest and the people that shall say the burden of the Lord, I will even punish that man and his house. Um, and so. I think my little comment here on my sheet helps. It says, Burden means an oracle of judgment, something weighty. And then I said, the False prophets took Jeremiah's burden lightly, so God judges them with a heavy judgment. So, you know, Jeremiah's preaching his heart out, and the the false prophets keep saying, No, there's safety and peace and... And so, uh, so God brings them a heavy judgment. And so they, uh, in 37 through 40, and, and we'll be finished here, uh, 37, thus shalt thou say to the prophet, What hath the Lord answered thee? And what hath the Lord spoken? But since ye say the burden of the Lord, therefore thus saith the Lord, because ye say his word, the burden of the Lord and have, and I have sinned unto you saying ye shall not say the burden of the Lord therefore behold I even I will utterly forget you and I will forsake you and the city that I gave you and your fathers and cast you out of my presence and I will bring an everlasting reproach upon you and a perpetual shame which shall not be forgotten and so it says a lot there but uh, God you know, we can point out more than one place in the Bible that God will not uh, leave you or forsake you, but right here, God does forsake His people uh, at this time and lets them go into captivity. And He says in verse 40 that it's an everlasting reproach. So I, I put the word reproach in your teaching point. Reproach is your last word. Uh, it is a reproach for God's people to be in captivity and. So even today, I would bet you that the Jews are a little bit of a shame that their forefathers went to Babylonian captivity. Because I mean, they're a proud people, and um, so anyway, uh, you know, even people that have had addictions and maybe uh, been in bondage to a substance looking back I'm sure that's a little bit of a reproach that was a bad time in their life right looking back that, that was probably a reproach would you guys say and uh, it's like man I, and and I know even my struggle I look back I think man that, that's a reproach on my past so anyway uh, God did not leave them or forsake them for long and uh and he he will not leave or forsake us uh, for long either. But uh, maybe maybe in those times where uh, we uh, utterly forsake him, then he uh, you because know, you know like on when Jesus was on the cross, you know the very first thing in in Matthew twenty seven, My God, My God, why hast thou forsaken me? And so while Jesus was on the cross. God did have to. God was too pure eyes to look upon iniquity, and Jesus became sin for us, who knew no sin. Uh, and so the Lord, and, and that is why the sky went dark there on Calvary. And um, anyway, a lot there. I know we're over time, but uh, hopefully that all made sense today. Good, good. All right. Well, let's close up in prayer, and uh, we'll go to uh, the main service. Uh, Father in heaven, thank you for these words of Jeremiah written so long ago. And Lord, just the way it's written, it may uh, surpass our understanding. But Lord, we we believe it, and we we hold to it. We we trust your word is this fire and burden and uh, and hammer. And Lord. Uh, pray it will just do a good work in us today as we've we've read it, we've looked at it. Help us not to be lukewarm this week, Father. There's, uh, there's just so many good things happening, and I pray we can uh, be part of what you're doing. And I pray that uh, we will not uh, go back to the elements of this world, those things that caused us reproach, Lord. We, we not go back there. So. Father, bless uh, Brian as he speaks. Thank you for uh, helping me uh, get over COVID. I pray you put just a hedge of protection about uh, this group. Be with our sister Pam. I pray she'll know that uh, you're there with her as she goes under for surgery and look forward to getting a new knee and be able to walk uh, better and to just help Emmett and all those taking care of her. And Lord, dismiss us now with your blessing. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. I'm gonna shut this
2: off.